This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com, of course powered by theracetalk.com. Don't forget each week the hot and not power rankings on theracetalk.com, go and catch them. They'll be out there now from what was a big weekend of Shannon's Nationals Racing. Speaking of that, Richard Quayle to join me in just a tech. We're going to catch up with Will Brown, who is going to chat to us. He's currently leading the championship in the TCR Australia Series, also doing a bit of driving in the uh, Super 2s as well. So we'll find out all about that from Will Brown and Mark Walker to join us after that to uh, chat about what's happening in the world of motor racing as well. Let's kick it off right now. And joining us on the line, we say good day to Richard Crow. Good day, Crowsey. nice to be with you again. Nice to be with you too. You are all thought out from what seemed to be a very wet and very windy weekend at the Bend. Yeah, it was. It was pretty wild. Lots of rain on Friday, and then one of those just unpredictable weekends where it was dry one minute, then it had rain, and then just as it looked like it would dry up, it had rain again, and then it would dry again. So it was like being a Phillip Island. It was it was freezing cold there on the Sunday as well. But terrific weekend. CCR continuing to put on a show, and, and the talk over the weekend was that the quietest race that that series has had all season long was their very first one. Ever since Sydney Motorsport Park race one, they've all been wild. There's been stuff going on. Great hard motor racing and lots of different race winners as we saw uh, on the weekend. So there's there's lots to like, Specs, and uh, I know our first guest today has uh, had a pretty good season so far as well. Yeah, he certainly has. He holds a commanding lead at the moment in the TCR Australia Series. His name is Will Brown. He joins us on the line. G'day, Will. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on board, mate. Congratulations so far on what has been a, a, a stunning year for you, in the, especially in TCR Australia. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. I uh, loved every every second of it. It's really exceeded expectations, really. The racing's been awesome and uh, a great atmosphere around the whole category. Will, your championship so far has been characterised by you pulling results out of the fire. You've, Whenever things start to seem like they're going wrong for you, you manage to MacGyver your way to the front of the field. And there was no better example of that than from where you were in qualifying on the weekend to where you ended up at the end of race one. How are you working your way through the field like this? It's like the seas are parting for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it's been happening. Um, like you say, Philip Island ran off the track and got back to second. But um, no, it's just that uh, we've got good pace on the first lap. And uh, we, I guess I positioned the car right on that first lap in the wet and was able to come through. So I was a little bit worried about uh, our pace on Friday and uh, Saturday in the qualifying. So it was, it was great to finally uh, show a little bit of pace on the Saturday out on the Sunday. Will, the racing this year has been pretty wild and it's probably a little bit different to some of the stuff you've been used to because it's just there's no break in how relentless it is, is there? From lap one to the very end, it's 110% and you're usually banging doors with somebody. Oh, yeah, the racing's been fierce and especially, you know, when we're, we're, we're having such tough Fridays and then have to come from the back of the field. But everyone's just so close and um, just pushing so hard that, you know, we find ourselves in huge battle packs and there's been a bit of carnage, which I know the crowd loves, but, um, you know, a lot of good racing as well. But, yeah, like everyone in there is racing very respectively. There's obviously a few crashes because it's quite hard to get rear tyre temperature up, which is 
as you can see, causing a lot of a lot of the damage. Um, but you know, the racing's been awesome, and absolutely loving the whole atmosphere behind the category and everyone involved in it. Going to ask about the rear tyre thing, and that's been the number one comment since race one of the championship is, I can't get rear tyre temp, I can't get the rear tyres up. It's taking five laps before I've got any rear grip in these things. What have you got to do? Is, is this just part of the learning process, or is it just an inherent quirk in these cars being front-wheel drive that this is just how you have to live with it and you've got to work around it? Oh, everyone's just, you know, being a bit soft. I think they've just got to tighten the seatbelt so it's a bit tighter and have a bit of a crack on the first lap. I reckon it's awesome. It's, uh, it's great with the, you know, it, it makes it interesting. It, you can gap a few people on the first lap if you... You know, you can get that tie temper up or whatnot, and it makes for more passing on that first lap. So, really, I think the honest opinion is people have just got to learn to deal with it. And uh, you know, a lot of the guys that are running up the front haven't had many haven't had many problems. So, it's just going to be something a learning curve for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, over the last couple of years, uh, before this year, you had the opportunity to race production cars as well. Do you think that uh, being involved in that series has sort of prepared you a little bit better for this? I don't think the production cars is I like being the one that's prepared me for it. I think it's been raced so many different categories and getting used to so many different cars. Just that versatility between them all and having to learn new cars and that has been the thing that changed it because I guess I guess the production car was similar but there was you know it, it wasn't as fast or anything like that. So it probably has helped but uh, I think just running so many different categories is really you know just just jumping in between so many different cars has helped me the most. Well, well, just on that, I mean, it's fundamentally different race cars, TCR and the supercar that you're racing this year with. People sitting in Dunlop Super 2, how have you found jumping between each of them? And we're, we're bouncing between a Super 2 round and a TCR round and then a Super 2 round now for the next couple of months. So how do you get your head around it? And what's your mindset for, for adapting quickly? I find your mind just clicks, to tell you the truth. Like, you jump in the... Jump in the Eggleston car and your, your right hand drive, your front gear lever, um, you know, you have to use the clutch on down changes, you have to flip. So there's so many different things in it that you sort of, you just click over and go, yeah, I'm in this car. And then you hop back in the TCR car and it's the same. It's like back in 2016, I ran Formula 4 and Soda 86 the same weekend and hand down and had a great weekend in both. But they're just so different that I think you you just get used to, uh, you know, changing between and the calibre of racer that you're up against in TCR Australia, Will, it's it's an amazing field, isn't it? Oh, it's awesome. Like, uh, some of the names I've got in there, Tanda, Ingle on the weekend, Moffat, great credibility to the category. And, uh, you know, and people have watched them throughout, younger people have watched them in supercars and that. So it brings an audience to, to the field and everything. So I think it's great. And even... Even some of the younger guys, you know, Dylan O'Keefe's done a fair bit, Tony Delberta, all those sorts of guys. They've done a lot of racing anyway. Mate, what, what's the end goal for you? I mean, this, this is obviously another feather in your cap, and you've talked about driving in all these different categories and building that experience. I mean, the supercars is, is the be-all and end-all in Australia from a career point of view, but has this TCR thing opened your eyes up a little bit to go, well, maybe I can go and have a skid in these things overseas? What, what's the... What's the near-term goal for you in terms of the whole motor racing thing? Yeah, I'm not sure there. Um, you know, supercars always been always been my end goal, but I'd love to go over and do a bit of TCR. Um, you know, in the, I think it's the World Endurance, the, what's it called over there, the WEC World or the TCR, European yeah. World TCR or the, um, or the European Championship. I'd love to go over there and have a crack. I think, you know, I think I'm driving the cars very well and I think we've got a good idea of it. So it'd be cool to go over there and just do one round and... Uh, 
see what the Aussies have got. But, you know, like I say, Bad Supercars since I was a young kid has always been my dream. So if I could, uh, you know, that's sort of what I'm aiming for. But, you know, you can't always, you know, you've got to look outside, I guess, what you've always looked at and see what other options are out there. Because that question you asked earlier about him driving in a couple of different categories this year, the, the supercar as opposed to the TCR car, it's not foreign for Will. You might cast your mind back to 2016, the year that Will won the Cam's Joko Australian Formula 4 Championship. He also won at that year the Toyota 86 Series and just about won the Australian Formula 4 Championship and I think could have become the first person to win three national championships in one year. You dropped a ball, Will. You, you missed one. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was a little bit disappointed. Because I was a cam driver Sparrow that year, I um, I had F4 on that weekend as, as well as Formula Ford. Mm. So I was over in Tasmania for F4, and Formula Ford was the first round at uh, Sandown. So I missed the first round of Formula Ford, so I was 58 points down from there, and I lost it by eight points at the end of the year. So I would have loved to... Formula Ford would have been a series I really would have loved to win just because the incredible drivers, like if you look at a lot of the bad chip car drivers who have won championships, they've won the Formula Four championship. So mm. that's one thing I, I uh, wish I had had done in my career. But um, yeah, it was an awesome year, 2016. You um, turned around a bit this year, the, the TCR paddock, obviously, and you look like a young bloke just having a really good time. Does that does that sum up your approach to motor racing? Are you thoroughly enjoying this? Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, if you look at someone like Jamie Winkup and myself, we're complete opposites. He's a very serious character and, and all that sort of stuff. That's how he goes fast. I'm completely opposite. If I, you know, if everyone's serious and that, I struggle. So I like having fun when I go racing. That's when I, that's when I do my best job. Like, I'm always serious, as in, you know, I want to win. And, and when the helmet comes on and uh, we've got to do data, always do what I have to. And, uh, but you know, I like having fun with the team and just having, yeah, having fun while I go racing. 2018 for you, Will, last year. Would it, out of the last three or four years that you've been racing sort of the, at the very top level, four or five years, would you say that 2018 was probably your toughest? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, our first year in Super 2, you know, we, uh, we had quite a good year and uh, I think we just got lost a little bit in, in 2018 and you can even see it at the start of 2019, we're struggling a little bit, uh, a little bit there with pace. Um, around, you know, we're, we're trying to get the car right and uh, I think that's just something we're going to work towards, you know. Um, you, you generally, you know, when you go racing, you generally don't have a great weekend every weekend. It's generally every 10th weekend that you have a good one. So, um, you know, uh, we're having a great run at TCR, but I'd really like to pick it up in Dunlop Series and show our real potential there because, you know, uh, as we saw in 2017, when we had it all right, I was able to qualify up the front and it was my first year so I think we can do it and uh, I showed that last year in the Arabic car for co-drive Cast your mind forward to enduro season mate uh, you line up alongside another young gun in Anton Di Pasquale in the Penrite Commodore um, that's a team that's having a great year Dave's a, a regular race winning contender and, and Anton's continuing to work his way and, and be more consistent in the top 10 and, and top 5 as we've seen just Give me some thoughts about enduro season and, and kicking off with Mount Panorama and, and how you feel like that's still going to go in, in the, uh, the big boys club. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that's one thing about doing Dunlop series. I rock up to Bathurst. I've done a 250 kilometre race on Saturday and uh, ready to rumble on Sunday. So that's one thing for me is uh, compared to some of the older guys that don't do Dunlop series, I think we'll have a good run and they'll be a very prepared co-driver for, for that round. And, um, 
yeah, I think that'll be awesome. Lining up next to Anton, he's doing a fantastic job this year. A few things haven't gone his way and haven't been his fault at, at all. So um, I think he'd be even higher in the championship. So I reckon we've got uh, you know, a good chance of jumping on the podium, for sure. Yeah. And no sand down this year. So like you touched on, do you, do you think all those extra miles you're getting is actually a, an advantage given that traditional pre-Bathurst warm-ups, Don? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Just because you saw last year, Ted, and a few of the a few of the kind of guys struggled a little bit, you know, like the guys that don't drive as much, uh, which just starts all of that sort of stuff. So getting the back, um, you know, being a co-driver that's running Dunlop series and all that, I think it's, it can only help us. Townsville, a couple of weeks ago, mate, you nearly got caught up in a uh, in a story that we were going to run. You were having dinner with Chaz Mostert in a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> happened to be the same place that. Uh, <laughs> Guys from uh, Wilkinshaw are also having dinner. We nearly had you as his co-driver at Wilkinshaw next year. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I was just having a friendly dinner. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I am right now. We'll see what happens next year. Oh, that's a very, very good PC answer. Hey, uh, last one for me. TCR next stop is Queensland Raceway. It's the week after the supercar round. Um, so good back to that race meetings up there in the sunshine. I, I've had QR circled on my calendar all year because... While all these fast-flowing circuits, Eastern Creek, Phillip Island, the Bend are terrific, I reckon QR will suit these TCR cars to a T. You get the thing on the nose, so heavy stops at turn three, four, five, and six. I, I got a feeling, and I don't know if you agree, that it could be the best racing of the year. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's obviously, it, there's not many corners, but it's more technical than people think. So, I think there, you know, a couple of long straights from that and a couple of good hard braking zones will mean you can really dive up the inside of that. The only problem with TCO is the people, you know, that I've noticed is that because you can brake so late and it's such a good tyre, it's very hard to outbrake people sometimes. So mm. that's where down the back straight, that you'll really have to have a big a big go and a big lunge to be able to pass people down there, which might cause lock-ups. But I think you'll see good racing. And for myself, I think Ipswich is one of those rounds that's, it's, Halfway through the season, you've got to get through that round, and then and then you can start looking at championship. We haven't really, you know, it's great to be leading the championship right now, but I think once you get through the switch halfway through the year, then you can start looking at the championship. Well, still a long year to go, mate. We're wishing you all the best in your TCR uh, championship quest and also in uh, what you're doing with Super 2s throughout uh, 2019, mate. Thanks for your time today. Really do appreciate it, and we'll catch you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Will Brown joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, Richard, joining us on the line, of course, uh, from the racetalk.com, is Mark Walker as well. G'day, Mark. Shebex, Crowley, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. We just had a lovely chat with Will Brown about his TCR experience at the moment. Uh, what did you think of it on the weekend? Well, Will Brown, isn't he a goer at the moment? He's... Uh... We, we, I think one time we were thinking about, oh, Will Brown, he, he's a knot, solid knot in the uh, hot or not. And ever since then, everything he's touched has turned to gold. So uh, I think we can, you know, if we can improve the phone signal at Winton and do all these other great things for motorsport, I think we can also turn some of these things around. <laughs> I like it. I agree with you. And, and even in our chat, Will touched on the fact that he had such a rotten year. Uh, well, last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You touched on that as well, that it was just terrible. And I, and I, it definitely got people going, oh, is this, you know, there's been a lot of hype around this guy and he's driven a lot of different cars. Is he the real deal? But 
I think the way he's rebounded from that this season's been terrific. And and we talked about it briefly with him that the thing that's got me on board more than anything is just his approach. And mm. we talked about how much fun he's having, and he has a laugh, and he's serious when he needs to be, but he's relaxed, laid back kind of guy. Um, he's he's the kind of young bloke you go, oh, you, you'd go and have a beer with him at the pub, which is what you want from from these young blokes and, and a real personality. And I think that's a massive, unique selling point that he's got as well as being able to drive. And, um, you know, he talked about his ability and driving different types of racing cars and switching from one to another so very quickly, which is what he's done throughout his whole career. And, I mean, he'll get the ultimate test in a week's time because he'll jump from one weekend in the Super 2 car with Eggleston to the next weekend being in the TCR car with, with Hyundai. So... That's a really good test, and, and I like the fact that he's just got no qualms about doing it, fire the thing in, and uh, he also said that he feels like everyone else should drive them harder on the opening laps because um, they deal with the lack of rear tyre temperature. So that's, that's a big tick from me. <laughs> I did hear the, the word... I did hear the word soft used, didn't he? He did. He, he said, said they're he soft. soft. Yeah, brilliant. Great. More <laughs> of that, please. Good on him. Uh, i tell you what, another bloke that looked like he had a lot of fun on the weekend was Russell Ingle in that Melbourne Performance Centre Audi. Yeah, he did. Um, and, you know, he did a pretty decent job. I, I cannot possibly tell you how difficult those conditions were, uh, especially before race one. And it was Phillip Island spec cold and the wind was, was blowing off the south like it does in Phillip Island. The sun was out and the track was dry. And then just as they waved the cars off for the warm-up lap, it started raining quite hard for about 15 seconds. But it meant that everything was was damp, but it wasn't quite wet. So it was it was that point where you're running up into turn one at 240 k's an hour and you've got no idea where to brake. But Russ did a really good job. Um, kept the car straight for the most part. Didn't fence anyone. Um and I, or in tell, what, well, exactly, more importantly. Um, and for the most part, from what I could tell, looked like he was having a, an enormously good time. So, yeah, good, good tick. And look, it's good for TCR to get guys like that in. And there's no doubt it's all part of the strategy is to bring people like Russell Ingle and bring people like Garth Tanner on board to, to drive these things for profile. Why wouldn't you if you're trying to build a category? But you know, these folks are clearly getting something out of it and enjoying it, which is, has got to be a good tick. Mark, the uh, thumbs up and credit has to go, I should think, also to Gary Rogers Motorsport and the crew there for the work that they did on James Moffat's car after he got absolutely tail-ended early in the weekend. Yeah, I think old Moffat's pretty uh, pretty surprised to put that thing on pole and um, that showed some good pace. But, yeah, old Chris Pitter wound up in the fence pretty hard as well later in the weekend there, all on his lines and down at turn number one. So uh, that was a bit of an exciting weekend there for the GRM squad. Well, there's something that are, interestingly, oh, yeah. sorry, boys, interestingly enough, so Moffat's thing got driven in the back by Will Brown, who we were just talking to. Yeah. Uh, Pitts' thing got shunted in the front when he came off the road at turn one. So it was on their social media on Tuesday afternoon. They've actually just gone and bought a wreck, Renault McGann, that they can use both the front and back floor to fix both cars because there's only four of these race cars in the world. So it's pretty industrious of old GRM, typical... Uh, doing things on a budget. Like it. Guys, where do you see the future to this class? I've got to tell you, I'm really enjoying what I've seen so far this year and I'm genuinely excited about QR in a few weeks' time. But mm. where do you see it going? Because they're obviously spending the money on it at the moment. They've got the cars in there. 
putting the good drivers in. They've got the benefactors paying the bills. Spending money in the right areas. They've got good media going. They've got the live TV going. They've started out doing everything at a really nice level for the splat-off. But where do you see it going? Because there seems to be a bit of a Tuesday with supercars at the moment. Supercars aren't really keen, apparently, to see TCR on the Adelaide 500 program, for instance. But can you see it growing to a level where it's going to start paying for itself at the Shannon? Or do you see it needing some of these premium supercar events where they can race in front of the big crowd, have the big-time TV, the slick TV that you're not necessarily going to get at a Shannon's event? Mm. Which way do you see this going? Well, I, I look at it, it's, it's, a, it's the million-dollar question, quite literally, about where the class goes. And, and it could go either the, the split route of having some supercar around if, if ultimately they're able to do those deals and there's no blockage coming from the supercars end. But part of me thinks, wouldn't it be nice to have a legitimate second-tier... Second-tier makes it sound bad, so I won't use that term, but an alternative, a different program of race meetings like we had back in the day with ProCar and like we had before that with Super Touring where you might not get 40,000 people turn up like you would do a supercar round, but if you get 10,000, the place looks like it's full. You fill the banks of some of these racetracks. You get lots of people in the paddock. You get the colour. The brands get a vibe that, that they can activate and they can have some marketing going on and they start tipping more cash in. But you've got control over your program. You've got control over your own TV. You've got control over all your marketing assets. Whereas if you rock up at a Adelaide 500, it's supercars and Adelaide 500 banners on the walls. It's supercar mm. TV with their own ads and their own sponsorship. And you, your control is very limited. And while it might be a good exposure boost, that's counted out by the lack of ability you've got to commercialize your own product on your own. So, I, I would love to see it on its own as a six or seven round headline act, whether it's Shannon's Nationals or whether it just becomes TCR Australia plus the force, I don't know. Um, I'd love to see that. And then maybe one or two big supercar rounds. So do your Adelaide 500, get on a Gold Coast. They would be insane around that joint. Um, and or maybe one other one, I don't know, Newcastle would be terrific, but... I'd love to see them maintain their integrity and maintain their own profile and presence as having their own their own program and being the head of that, like we had in the past with ProCar and before that Super Touring. That's that's my two bobs. Richard, you were you were there on the weekend. Uh, answer this question for me before I give my answer. Would it be fair to mm. say that the majority of people that were at the bend on the weekend were there for TCR and nothing else? They had to be. Well, yeah, because, well, yeah. Look, there's there's a couple of GT fans, but they were only there Saturday, and there were more people there Saturday than some uh, Sunday than Saturday, hundred percent. So, yeah, of course, and and I've been at all three, and I've never seen so many Hyundai Car Club people at motor racing events. I didn't even know there was a Hyundai Car Club. <laughs> like, so, so that's that's the example. And the Honda Car Club was at Phillip Island. There was a whole bunch of Honda Honda Civic Type Rs that I've never seen in my life before. That that's where you've got power with all these different brands and these kind of quirky, on-the-edge sort of marks, which have got a great fan base, but a small fan base. But if you combine them all together, 
you start building up towards what a Ford or a Holden might pour the supercar in. Yeah, so you, anyway. you, you've helped me answer my question then. So what I'm, yeah. what I'm thinking is, and I agree with you, I think TCR probably needs to – my thoughts is they probably could nearly start their own series of some sort. I think they're going to have to watch what happens with Shannons. They, they basically run the Shannons as it is anyway in regards to what we saw last weekend. Throw the GT – three cup challenge uh, the Porsches on there and I think it's a different story you, you get a little bit more excitement but other than that nothing has really supported TCR that well on the Shannon's program so what I'd love to see is if supercars are cutting themselves down to 12 weekends a year if we could get another 10 weekends out of a TCR and they don't conflict they're all on different weekends if we can get 22 to 23 weekends of quality racing throughout a season or throughout a year, that would be amazing for motor racing fans. Well, uh, that's probably too many, to be honest, and I, I don't think that's viable. Every I don't think it's viable mm. with what we've got at the moment because there's, there's just not enough categories to fill it. But there's clearly a strategy here from the guys that own it, which is why S5000 exists, and they're a major sponsor of Painter Dixon Touring Car Masters. So it's the same people. And they're involved in Porsche racing with Carrera Cup as a sponsor. So all of a sudden, like there's the four top level categories, potentially F5000 if it, and when it gets off the ground. So there's clearly a strategy that they, that they will have their own supported or owned group of categories that they can go motor racing with. Now, and, and from a Shannon's point of view, why, why would you go anywhere else? While CAMS are still putting it on mm. and, and underwriting most of it, Take advantage of that. Roll with it. That doing your own thing, as Ross Palmer found out, was incredibly expensive and hard to do. So just just grab this program and headline it, which is what they're doing anyway. Um, and then slowly but surely, as you bring in an S five thousand, and you might lean on TCM and go, right, oh boys, come on, come and do a couple of rounds. I, I would spend cash money to go to a race meeting that had TCR, S5000, Touring Car Masters, and maybe Cup Challenge, and mm. I don't know, a sports sedans or something else like. That's a pretty good racing program. I'd agree with that. Yep. Yep. Sold. Done. Okay. Let's see. Sold motorsport. (laughs) Let's see whether it goes that way. I think, think, boys, the number and and it's got to be quality over quantity. And I think in the past couple of years, we've we've gone towards quantity first and not enough quality. And and you could argue that, that that Shannon's round on the weekend was a non-event if TCR wasn't there, and it would have been. Mm. Um, they had to dig to get South Australian improved production on the board. None of those guys really wanted to run because they've got a state round here in two weeks, which everyone would rather run at. Um, 10 GT cars, 7 F4 cars, and sports events. So they're, 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 at the moment, there's not enough strong categories to fill all these programs. And you're even seeing some of the supercar rounds with, state-level racing jumping on. Now, I'm not opposed to that. I think it's great. Excels at Winton were arguably the best racing in the entire weekend. But there's, there's got to be a quality argument for this first. So you have six massive TCR events with all these great support categories on board, and then they go into a couple of other supercar rounds to bolster those. I think everyone's a winner. I just, I just wonder if the sport will actually approach it that way because there's so much self-interest that it might not actually happen. So... Yeah, I don't know. There's been various levels of good quality support for categories on the Shannons over the years. I mean, if you look back a few years, you would have had Formula Ford, uh, you would have had saloon cars on there. You know, that, that category's 
sort of wavered a bit since it lost its national status. Um, sports fans used to be a mainstay there. Every weekend we used to go racing. Um, used to have the Super 3, what the category that now is Super 3 on the channel. Well, that could make a really good race meeting back then, but it mm. sort of it went away from that a little bit, didn't it, when uh, when camps took over the running of the events in, in entirety. Yeah, and there was just a natural evolution thing with that as well because, you know, supercars clicked probably a couple of years later than I think anyone expected them to, that Super 3 is actually a good thing. Um, mm. And then they, they they slowly got onto the supercar program and then supercars went, gee, this is great. We'll give you the give you the brand to put on it as well. And now it's, you know, it's an integral part of the, the program and all three tiers will be running at QR next week, which is terrific. So, yeah, there's been a bit of natural evolution and some of it forced with what happened with the category changes and national status and things like that. So it's certainly not as strong now as it was five years ago. I would I would definitely agree with that. But the potential is there for it to be really good, mm. um, especially if stuff like this, if it's like thousand, like I've said, and, you know, you've got LMP3 in the wings. Now, whether that works or not, nobody knows. But the, the potential there for some really good quality high-profile categories that can you can sell and hopefully that then brings along the, the categories that are struggling or the categories that might not have such a big national presence, that can bring them up to that level as well and more people will come and play with those and you end up with a, a really good program. I get the feeling that Formula 4 may not be one of those categories. They had their last round at the bend. Uh, congratulations to Lewis Leeds who won the uh, championship for 2019 but I just get the feeling that with the amount of cars, only eight on the grid, and I think that last race had four cars finish. You just get that feeling that uh, he might be the last Formula Four champion here in Australia. Um, it can't really be sustainable, can it? I mean, who's paying the entry fees? Who's paying the grid spots for that? It'd be starting to become a fairly expensive proposition if you're trying to amortise the cost of it over seven cars, surely. Mm. And they've thrown... Surely there's nothing else they can throw at it to make it work. They've thrown 50 grand scholarships at kids to get them on and they only had, what, three of those this year, I think. Um, they've thrown all different types of calendar permutations. Um, they got them on the Grand Prix. Um, well, cams, cams don't have to throw anything at it anymore, though, because they don't effectively run it now. It's Richard Emery well, and his company. No, but, but, but cams are still paying for the Rising Star stuff and they got it on the Grand Prix program and yeah, they're, they're the ones that have to cop the costs at Shannon's rounds and things like that. So, yeah, they've, 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 they set the calendar for this year's event. And yeah. they set a calendar, which had the Grand Prix. It's all over by July. Um, and, and these double head around. And that was supposed to be the, the big saviour where you, you can press all your weekend, you know, two rounds into one weekend, which I actually don't think is a terrible idea if you've got 20 cars. Terrific. Yeah, and, it, and it's a legitimate cost-saving exercise for these young kids who might not have the budget to go and do eight national championship rounds, but if you've got like three weekends where you can do six of your rounds, then you're saving a massive lot of cash transporting cars and transporters and people and accommodation and all that. So it's a smart idea, but it hasn't worked, not even slightly. Um, but the money you're saving is fine. Rich, the money you're saving there, you have to buy wigs for the mechanics because they lose all their hair. Yeah, well, true. Run six races in a weekend. True, but it's it's nothing that they haven't done before. You can run if the program's right. And you have a race on Friday and a couple on on Saturday and a couple on Sunday. Then you you're not that flat out doing it. And and 
more racing, less practice, big tick. But it's, yep. And that's all great, but it hasn't worked. It's, it's completely and utterly failed in terms of getting the core purpose, which had to be getting more people on the grid because there's not more people on the grid. So how do you get more people on the grid? I, I don't know. I feel like they've tried just about everything and it's still not functioning. So there has to be a point where they go, we have to cut our lunch losses. We have to go to the FIA and go, look, we gave this a crack. Australia does not work in this. This is not the market for Formula 4. Yeah. Well, I'd love to get Richard Emery on the next few weeks and uh, have a chat to him about mm. his future thoughts and plans for that category. The other category that seems to be in a little bit of dire straits at the moment, and once again we start to see a driver and owner revolt, is uh, GT racing. Yeah, this is uh, a slightly more delicate situation um, because there's a lot of variables that have been thrown at this, but there's clearly an issue at the moment and a, and a disconnect between the category management and the competitive base. And this has been going on for not just this year, I don't think. Um, so in, in some respects, the current ownership of the category have inherited this situation and it's probably... Last year may have been a bit of a false economy and it's just built this year. Um, but Mark, you and I picked it at the Grand Prix when we were looking at it and doing the power rankings from the Grand Prix that well, GT on the surface had 26 cars and it all looked great. But we were like, oh, dear, there's not much depth there, is there? Um, and sure enough, 13 cars at Phillip Island and uh, and 10 cars at the Bend. The irony is it was actually a semi-decent motor race. There was a bit going on in it. But as a show, watching trackside, no. So they've got massive problems and they've already addressed some of it and they're talking about going to the full Blanc Pan regs next year and getting rid of the ridiculous driver seating parity system they run here and things like that, which will all help. But in the end, I, I feel like it's a marketing issue and it's a marketing issue to their own competitor base that they've got to fix because clearly guys have got cars and just don't want to run them. And it's hella expensive. I mean, those cars, they're the, the outright class cars. Seven hundred and fifty thousand to one million dollars mm. to buy them, Goodness and they reckon they were spending eighty grand to run them for the weekend at the Bend Ugh. at a Shams round. Mm. Oh, yeah, righto. I mean, you'd know what the costs involved during Carrera Cup would be a lot less, and they get really nice corporate facilities and run on all the big programs against a lot of cars that are quite even in in speed, which a lot of these guys want because mm. you know it's their game of golf, but if they can go out there and do it with their buddies and they've got someone to race against, that's a, a big plus when you're running you know, a smaller grid like they had in the weekend, which was still split up into outright older cars and GT4s. It's hard to find competition out there on a big track like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Boys, let's hurry. Uh... And, and just one more on that. Yeah, go. It's, um, the, the, the Carrera Cup GT things are really interesting scenario and, and you know I've put my cards on the table that I call Carrera Cup but there are guys not running Carrera Cup that are still persisting with GT I shouldn't say persisting that are still racing GT because they don't like the 50 cups that go on in Carrera Cup so yeah. it, it, it swings and roundabouts and, and you're going to get people that want to do both and there'll be a natural migration between the two every now and then when these guys who can afford it uh, will run Carrera Cup, but then they'll go, oh, I'm a bit bored of this, I want to go and buy a Ferrari and race GT cars. Um, 
and, and that's just a natural ebb and flow. Roger Ligo raced the Lamborghini for a long time and come back to Fair Cup this year. So, yeah, it, 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 it's worked, though. So this is the thing. Yes, the economy is not great, but it, two or three years ago, we were at Phillip Island for a 500k GT Enduro with a couple of works drivers, Pro-Am race, and there were 25 cars, and it was an unbelievably good field. It was as good mm. as most GT3 fields in the world. So the cars are there. Um, they've just got to find a way to get them on track. And I think it might go back to that quality over quantity advertisement. Why are they going to the Gold Coast this year? Great running on a street circuit in a big supercar event, but you'll write cars off there. And Without as you touched on, Mark, they're bloody expensive to fix. So... Why risk them going to that event just for the sake of running in a supercar round? Um, and one of the things, Rich, that came up over the weekend is that there are alternative places that they can race these cars. If you want to race your GT3 spec car, you can run at state level, you can run it uh, on the AMRS. Look, there's alternatives out there that are a lot cheaper than than the um, entry fees and whatnot that are required to run this Australian Endurance Championship and these, um, these higher-profile events. Mm, let's see how that pans out. Before we go, boys, uh, Richard, I'll just get your thoughts on the weekend of uh, Formula One. Uh, a great win to Lewis Hamilton at Silverstone, a track you've been to recently. Uh, oh, so it would have been have, lovely to watch. Actually, I think, uh, I think Mark, Mark has been there as well. Um, oh, he has too. There you go. For, for a British Grand Prix. It's, it's, I, mean, I was only there for, for work. Um, no, it was, a, it was a great race. I, I've got to say, uh, this new marketing strategy from Formula One in putting on good racing, um, they can keep rolling with that. <laughs> and did someone have a yeah, contract? Did, did someone have a contract out on uh, Max Verstappen and the Red Bull? And uh, sorry, the uh, Ferrari Mafia said, "Yeah, we'll take yeah, that." Because Ferrari, Ferrari had a contract out on them because they just <laughs> kept printing it. It was it was fantastic. Now look, good Grand Prix. It's proof that if they get the technical stuff in that sport right, yeah, and bring the field closer together, it'll produce good racing. Because at Austria, they were very close together, the top six cars, Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. So you had a really good race because they were all even. And the Mercs were brought back because it was so hot and they didn't perform well. And then at Silverstone, you had a really good race because the top six were all really close together. And Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen wanted to thank each other. So you bring all these guys close together and it puts on good racing. And if Formula One was the midfield back, for the last five years, it'd be epic because you'd have half a dozen different winners every season, mm. but you've just got these groups in front that cause these processional races. So, and can I say I've got no problems with Lewis Hamilton winning every race of the season as no, long as he gets to earn it. Place. Exactly. If he yeah. if he doesn't earn yeah. it, he just wins everyone by 10, 15 seconds, it's as boring as batshit. But if he doesn't, yeah, and, and when, if he has to work for it, it's fantastic. Yeah, and when Bottas jammed it up the inside of tops at around a kilometres an hour, everyone went, well, that's one of the moves of the season. Yeah. How good. Yeah. So, no, look, it was a great, great Grand Prix. Um, if they can pull three in a row off like that, then, wow, what a, what a thing. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, next week, boys, we'll do a full preview of what should be an exciting weekend at Queensland Raceway for supercars. Any news we need to bring our listeners just quickly before then? No, other than I'm excited. I love QR. Mm. I think it's great. Can't wait. Best photo race of the year for Diavo. And you Bring get to on. sleep in your own bed. Well, that'd be nice. <laughs> no, no, I think Richard's going to sleep in it. I'm oh. going to sleep on the couch. Oh, fair enough. Oh, right. Excellent news. Um, and, yeah, we should encourage all listeners of On The Grid to, if they're going to that round, 
get yourself to slideways go-karting because uh, oh, yeah. A, you'll get the you get the Media World Championships on Thursday night uh, and people will be fenced, there's no doubt. Uh, and uh, it's just a great place to go and, go and race before you go to the race. That is the way to go. Gentlemen, thanks for your time as always. No, no, good, good, good chat. Thanks, boys. Good idea, Mark, Mark Walker and Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Well, there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us again here on mypodcasthouse.com and we look forward to catching you again next week with a full preview of Supercars at Queensland Raceway.